Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Really? He could be in here, he's all alone, he's gone! Sensation at Wembley from Sunderland! McKinney! Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland preview show. Sunland dug out a hard-fought 1-0 win over Bolton at the weekend before blowing Cheltenham away 5-0 at the stadium light to go three points clear at the top of League One. Doesn't that sound nice? However, coming up on Saturday, maybe an out of form, but always dangerous when it comes to Sunland, Portsmouth. And to join us to discuss what the devil is going on down south is the always welcome Hugh from Pompey Podcast, the PO4 Podcast. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, well, I've been better, to be honest, with recent results coming Portsmouth's way. And uh, there's quite a lot of calamity going on behind the scenes at the moment. So I can't get, can't wait to really get stuck in and uh, have a chat with you about it. I was going to say, who would have thought? Eh? I mean, we say this every year and we, we hope it's going to be the last time we do a preview pod together or unless it's in the championship. But yeah, both sides are in League One. But, you know, as I said, Sunderland are really in form um, at the moment. High time we'll get out of the division, hopefully, and it's looking... Like continuing that, well, you know, we might, but but for Pompey, things have just not clicked. How are things down south? Yeah, I mean, it's clear to see Sunderland seem to be on what I'd say is an upward tra- trajectory. Get that word just about out of my mouth properly, but <laughs> Sunderland seems to be on the on the way up, and Pompey at the moment are in a real sort of change, you know, situation. And yes, we had a lot of turnover in the summer. So did you, but we had 14 players go out and Danny Cowley said it was going to take three windows to to get the team really going to where he wants it to be. So I know this isn't Lee Johnson's first season and you could argue, I suppose, that Danny Cowley joined quite late in the season. So we're still really trying to work out and build the squad, but there's some massive holes in this team at the moment. And there's huge problems going on at Pompey, both going forward, attacking, finishing chances, but also defending. It's been it's been quite comical, really. And there's been some real, real problems with just the personnel. So we'll get into the actual macro and micro, but Pompey fans are a little bit confused, unhappy, not quite sure, really, what our best team is. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a different looking team. Obviously, a bit of the experience has gone and stuff like that, but... Obviously, he lost again last night. Burton have been all right this season. Obviously, they've beaten us as well. Um, they're certainly not the Burton they were at the start of last season, but it looked a fairly even game from a statistics point of view, but ultimately, defeat to defeat, what went wrong? Yeah, but the stats sort of lie. And Pompey, basically, I suppose it's probably the best thing to do to start off to the listeners is we sort of changed the way we play under Danny Cowley. So whilst Kenny Jackett wants to play a very direct hoofball system, lump it up top to a striker, you know, you had Ollie Hawkins playing there back in the day, you had you had Harrison playing there as well. But those players really just didn't work. And Ellis Harrison's an ineffective striker up front for us. You know, more yellow cards than goals in the seasons he's been here is awful for a striker up front. 
So Pompey have tried to play a system, which is what I like to call sort of progressive passing. So what Danny Cowley calls it, passing with purpose. So he wants to pass the ball out from the back. He wants to start that with the goalkeeper. So you'll see that uh, Gavin Bazunu, our goalkeeper on loan from Man City, he's probably been the best player we've had all season. Um, your listeners might know him as the goalkeeper who saved the penalty uh, against Ronaldo because he plays in goal for Ireland. He's a young keeper on loan from Man City. He plays very far up the pitch if Pompey can push out. He'll play. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Probably one of the best passes we have. And he'll try and get the ball moving and directing the teams forward. So when it works, Pompey try and play these sort of little triangles where everyone has to come and provide an option in the sort of wide triangle way and try and pass the ball through teams pressing. Well, Burton are a team, as you guys will know, like to press you hard from the front and they like to get on top of you and just pl- apply pressure to try and stop you passing the ball through. And Portsmouth really just didn't find a way to pass the ball through Burton's midfield. And I think we're lacking confidence after six games without a win. And the players are now sort of, one of the chances actually, Lee Brown, one of our defenders, as you probably know, people listening who've watched Sunderland play Pompey over the years, he just underplays a pass and then it gets put back in across the goal and we concede and then the ball goes out to the right wing back, the other one, and he's left adrift, Romeo, who's looked very good actually on loan from Millwall, very quick, very good player, but no one's there to give him an option. So you can't pass the ball out if the players don't quite get the system and aren't really providing the options needed. So I suppose Pompey are trying to play a new system, trying to implement this new passing out from the back system and players just aren't quite fitting or quite ready to to make that a success. I think the defeat itself has left you, like I think I don't think you've won since August 17th. My calculations could be wrong with that, but I'm pretty certain that shows because the last win, which was 17th of August, we're now at the back end of September. Um, I'm pretty certain your expectations of Portsmouth were very similar to Sunderland's because of our history. It's a case of getting out of the division, automatic promotion at the very least, playoffs. And it has been almost since you've been down here exclusively, same with us. You start the season with three wins in a row. So so why has it tailed off so soon? Started the season playing some quite rubbish teams. And no disrespect to crew who have looked awful this season. We, you know, we did a sort of one two now. It looked quite easy. And then we go along, you know, we play Shrewsbury, beat them one nil. These are all teams that have struggled quite badly. And we weren't really overwhelming teams well. We started off playing a sort of a more 4-4-2 system which is now being changed because what happened was we're so one-dimensional up top that we weren't creating enough chances. So then we sort of played a, a 4-3-3 that, we, that people thought with a, the centre midfield with Joe Morrell. Um, obviously, people might see him play for Wales. He's actually been very good in the centre there. Uh, Tunnicliffe who's come in. He's played for Millwall as well alongside Sean Williams. And we had three quite good midfielders there who've, you know, played championship football, but it, the dynamic didn't work. You didn't have someone who was a natural 10. Um, and so he looked very defensive, very slow. So Danny Cowley has sort of tried to change the system because we we're getting found out. We played teams like Wigan. We lost one now in a pretty drab game. But the only players that have shot on target or shot actually in t- at all were Ronan Curtis and Joe Morrell. That means players like John Marcus weren't getting into a situation where he's even having a shot and he's playing as your main striker up front. So now our problem is actually we're creating chances. We're just not finishing them. And we're also can't defend to save our lives because we played this three at the back system with only one fit centre-back. 
So you've got a real weird situation where Danny Cowley's trying to work out any way of making this team click so that they can score goals, create chances, but also defend. So we had a good start to the season, you could say, but it's a bit of a mirage, really, because we played rubbish teams and they were okay performances. And now I think you see a team that doesn't quite know the best way to play, doesn't quite know or understand the system, and doesn't have the personnel to actually implement it. I think we both had changes last season, similar sort of times. Well, you were, I think you were about two and a half months after us with Cowley. I think it's fair to say that at the time, I must be honest and say I wasn't one of them, but when Johnson was appointed, quite a few people would have were a little bit disappointed we didn't go for Danny Cowley because obviously his reputation with Lincoln, very good. I think he was very unfairly sacked by Huddersfield. Now, I would stand by that. I think he did a, a good job to keep them up considering when he came and where they were from. Obviously, problems in the background of Huddersfield and that was probably why he went. Um, last day of the season, lose to Accrington, miss out in the playoffs. Massive disappointment for Portsmouth. I'm not saying... Um, Winning, uh, not winning the playoffs would have been, it would have been a disappointment. But at the same time, not you can't expect to win the playoffs, but not to get in them is disappointing from a Portsmouth perspective. So you think maybe similar to us losing in the playoffs, you know, you you, you go away in the summer, you you regroup, you change the squad a little bit, you kind of bring in the players that the manager wants to bring in in his first transfer window and try and mould the team, and yet. You're sitting 13th in the league, whereas I suppose some of them are top. Um, is Danny Cowley feeling to impress us the problems elsewhere? Oh, I'll put this on record now, I suppose, that I'm a, I'm a big fan of how Danny Cowley's trying to get this squad to play. Um, as soon as he got appointed as manager the next week, he came on the podcast, on our podcast, on the PO forecast, and chatted yeah. to us. Um, and we chatted, we chatted a bit off camera as well. And from everything we've seen, we had this sort of archaic setup first with Kenny Jackett, this manager that never even reviewed a training video in his life sort of system. Danny Cowley's having to sort of get these players that have been playing for years under this sort of old school sort of park football manager and try and explain these expectations to some of these players. And I think that some of them were shipped out because they weren't, they won't be susceptible to that culture change. Now, I think that if Danny Cowley had been backed a little bit more in the summer, we obviously needed a striker. We needed a new striker. It was reported we've been after Jaden Stockley, who's not necessarily done well at, at Charlton as a start, but I think that's more down to their system with them, the way they're playing rather than on Jaden Stockley. We needed a new striker. We weren't given one. We needed an additional centre-back to Clark Robertson, who's good but injury-prone. We really needed another player to cover on the left back because if Lee Brown gets injured, we're kind of stuffed because Ogilvy can't really play out left wing back in the system we're playing. So I feel really quite bad for Danny Cowley that we're in a system now where we've lost a couple of key players and we're having to play makeshift midfielders at centre back. And there's no one to put in when John Marquis has scored one goal all season and played for the majority of it. So I don't think it's on the manager. I think you could potentially say the ownership should have backed should have backed him better, or maybe you could try and be positive about that and say it just didn't quite work out, and maybe it'll take a few more a few more transfer windows, the squads come together. But he's not got what it, he's not actually got the players at the moment necessarily to make this team a top six team. I'd say as well. And when you said that at the start of the, of the program, actually, Graham, that the expectation for Portsmouth is always promotion. It's not this season. I don't think it is of the fans. 
I think I said sixth as a, as a my prediction, and that was seen as very optimistic by a lot of Portsmouth fans. I think a lot of fans thought we'd come in the six to six to ten range really this season because of that sort of turnover we've had and all the systematic issues that have been left over from the Kelly Jacket era. So, yeah, I don't think he's been backed properly. I feel sorry for the man. They asked him on camera after Burton. They said, um, have you learned anything about your team? And he said, yeah. And they went, you know, what's that? And he said, I'd rather keep that to myself, I think. And this is a man mm. who gives seven-minute interviews usually after games. I'd, I'd be more worried about him walking than us, than us sacking him personally. I think last season, um, before we played Lincoln, literally just as we appointed Lee Johnson, I had the, the chairman from Lincoln on the show. And we were obviously discussing it because Danny Cowley was interviewed for the, the Sunderland job. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a secret. And, and Lee Johnson was chosen and he spoke about how he would have probably appointed Danny Cowley because he's never lost more than four games in a row or never gone more than four games without winning, sorry. Whereas Lee Johnson is, is well known for being streaky. Um, not so far this season. Is there any element of envy from Portsmouth looking at Sunderland from a perspective of a, a boardroom rather than manager then? Yeah, I think so. And I think some, it's difficult to tell, isn't it, from the outside looking in, especially mm. when it's, often sort of a lot of PR spin from the club that tries to cover things up. And I think the fans are actually quite annoyed at this moment in time. Yesterday, it broke in the local news and Andrew Moon from BBC helped break this as well, that the academy guys, a lot of the staff have just walked out. They've just quit. Sean O'Driscoll's walked out, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Sean O'Driscoll's gone. The goalkeeping coach who only joined in the summer, he's gone. Um, and the reasons why was down to the fact that the promises they were given as staff when they joined to investment into the academy. Now, we've still got under 16s, under 9s without an actual training base to play. They're playing at a school effectively. We've got no under 23s team that we were told, you know, would have investment in youth. And that's what the ownership told us five years ago. We've got a system here where we've had coaches poach, people leaving. We got rid of everyone in our under 18, up to 23s, that makes sense, that sort of level. Apart from Haji Minoga, who'd already made it into the first team, we released everyone else. So, I mean, this is a, this is a system where the club have now come out and gone, oh, no, he's left because he couldn't take, uh, he wanted more time off and that kind of thing. That's rubbish. It's just an absolute lie. And Portsmouth fans aren't silly. So, yeah, definitely our, our anger's not focused on Danny Cowley. And the, the, I think the envy will be really on on your board setup and what a great level of investment you have and Sunderland already have the facilities in place so if you imagine stepping that back that you don't even have a U23 team and your young players don't have anywhere to play football I think it's hard then to back the ownership when it's been five years and there's been no improvement they promised yeah no understandably and I think I remember the anger at the end of last season and the way Sunderland went and Obviously, this is our fourth season and it's four seasons too long for my like, you know, at least three seasons too long. And, and for many fans, actually all the fans would say it's been it's been far too long in this division. But um, Portsmouth seem to be, if anything, getting further away from promotion as opposed to getting closer to it. And that's got to go on the ownership, I think, hasn't it? Absolutely. You look at the team we had when we should have really gone up in that season that we were top at Christmas, but I think it was seven points now. I've tried to wipe that from my memory, so I think that's accurate. But you look at the team we had, and you had the likes of Matt Clark, Jamal Lowe, 
Um, and you just think Ben Thompson in the centre of midfield and you just look at look at the team generally and you think that was a better team than we've got now. Where's the money gone? I, I think they try and say that they spent a couple of million on John Marquis. It wasn't that. It was it was a bit less and add-ons and all that kind of malarkey to make it, to pump it up. And But yeah, this team is not better than it was back in years ago. So yeah, there's been no real improvement in the playing start, playing the players anyway. It's sort of gone backwards. But I would say that the one glimmer of hope for Portsmouth fans is that we've actually got a manager who comes in and actually wants to play good football to watch because it's been so bad to watch for us. It's been awful to watch as a fan, constantly looking up, the long balls, absolutely no creativity, wingers receiving the ball like Ronan Curtis, being told he has to lump it into the box early if he can and always with his back to goal when he was receiving the ball. Now he's been shifted up front, funnily enough, in a two. He looks a lot better because he's not having to come in from the wing and, and shoot. Does that make sense? He's, he's getting the ball in dangerous areas. And you saw the goal he scored against against Charlton. If you haven't, go check it out because it was a really good finish. So, yeah, the glimmer of hope for us really actually is that hopefully Cowley can use this sort of modest budget, I think. It was reported maybe 12th in the league um, and try and try and turn that into something because I don't have confidence at this moment in time that we're going to be a promotion contender even, not necessarily get promoted, but even be in the mix by January. And I think one thing that's probably difficult for any manager to to grasp and get hold of, especially when you've got no real replacement. I think unless you live on the moon, you can't have failed to have noticed there's a constant video reel of glaring misses from John Marquis recently. Um, it feels a little bit Will Griggish. I know he got 16 last season, but and this is very much a yes or no answer, and it might be right in the middle, but is it fair to say that it's been two years since he signed John Marquis hasn't really worked out for the money he spent on him? That's absolutely right. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt that he has not been the player that played up front for Doncaster that he was signed from, where he looked like one of the best strikers in the league, from at least from a goal scoring output level. Anyway, it's quite it's quite bad what bad to watch because the the miss against Charlton the other day, the ball comes across him, he's on his good foot. All he needs to do is side foot it in, and instead he sort of overthinks it and tries to take it onto his left foot, and that touch is too heavy, and then he's on his weaker foot and he just panics and he just you know he ends up dragging the ball wide it's really hard to watch actually it's quite painful to watch because earlier like later on in the game he actually plays a little lovely back heel pass to Marcus Harness that sets him up so it's not like he can't control the ball if you can play a little through ball back heel you can control the ball which means you can side foot it in from five yards wherever it was where he was stood before so yeah, maybe his confidence is shot, but probably don't have anyone else to put up front, really. They've got Ellis Harrison, as I said, the yellow card maestro. You you, you bring in George Hurst, um, and he's looks he looks so shit, mate. I, was, I can't really say anything else than describing. <laughs> I think he played 32 games, no goals last season. So you think, oh, that's the guy to bring in. You know, this is someone we want to have around the club. Tall, lanky, can't close down. He's, imagine if Charlie White couldn't head the ball or, or score goals. It was sort of... Charlie White without any of the goal scoring ability or, you know, and that's not a great thing to watch. And then that the problem with that is you can't then not play John Marquis because if you don't play him, no one's pressing from the top and then we end up playing deeper. So you're almost playing a player at front. He probably can't score any goals, but he can do the, the legwork. So John Marquis does close down. He will press and he will, you know, do that kind of thing, which I think is why Danny Cowley stuck with him. The only other option Pompey have got is um, a guy called Gasson Hadney, who got on loan from Norwich. 
who scored an absolute hatful in pre-season and everyone really hyped him up. And he hasn't really had a chance to play nine for us, which is a bit of an odd one. I know it was reported that he was turning up to training early at, you know, seven in the morning to try and get in the squad. And it just, we just not really been played, but it's hard to say from watching him in pre-season if there's a reason for that or not. But yeah, he's, we don't have a striker that I'm confident will score goals. Will John Marcus come good? I don't think so, especially not in the moment. Like I said, it. I mean, I don't watch him 90 minutes every week, but it feels Will Grigg-esque. Will Grigg will never, ever, 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 ever score goals for Sunderland. Might do for Rotherham, might do for MK Dons. He'll never, ever, ever do it for Sunderland. Not in a month or a million years of Sundays. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I, I know the chance you talked about Marquis. And it is almost painful because with each turn and each extra touch, you go, oh my God, you've got no confidence. You are actually draining of confidence. And then if you can't replace him, you can't bring anyone in to take him out the firing line for a few weeks, you're going to continue to watch that confidence dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And then all of a sudden, you've got a player there that just thinks, I can't score goals here. And then you've wasted one and a half million. Yeah, it's getting worse. And it's quite interesting because when you're listening on, on iFollow, if you listen to the radio commentary for Portsmouth, you've got Andrew Min, you've got Guy Whittingham as the co-commentator. Obviously, you know, the record-breaking championship scorer of or division one of all time. And you just hear him going, he just needs to take a chance there. He just needs to run in. Why, why is he not making that run into the near post? Or he just needs to peel off. Or And it's just this constant sort of, sort of criticism, I suppose, but not trying to be. But it's just very frustrating to watch a striker who is so shot of confidence. We said this last season with Ronan Curtis, though. He started the season really poorly. And in November, uh, we were calling for him to be dropped. And he was dropped for about two and a half, three weeks. And then he came yeah. back and he sort of lit the league up etc so maybe if, if you just stop playing him let him go back to basics sort out whatever's going on in his head because he's a great bloke and he does a lot of work off the ball which is good and he has scored goals before in the past and he got 15 for us last season which sounds you know it sounds all right but actually if you look at his expected goals he was one of the worst performing strikers i think only after hanland for um, bristol rovers at scoring under his expected goal so he's actually a player who misses or needs two or three chances generally to score a goal anyway so yeah it's difficult to say to be honest graham I and mean, it's it's quite painful to talk about because where are the goals going to come from and i think the only goal threat we've got at the moment is going to come from midfield it's funny we've had every guest i've had this season to an extent, has been really positive to the point where listeners will will know they've commented on how how come every team in League One thinks you know they're a really good team. They're not going to think that this week, are they? No, they're not, are they? <laughs> this is me in a cheerful mood as well. I've had a really good day, by the way. <laughs> they're, going be, they're going to be safe in the knowledge that. But you know what? They, I was going to say this happened last season, um, prior to the game at the Stadium Light. You were out of form. We were winning games. I wouldn't say we were anywhere near the way we feel that we are now, but we were winning games at that point. And you're thinking, well, maybe we go up with a parky one nil and the shite football. Obviously, that didn't happen. But at the time, I remember it specifically thinking, yeah, all right, beat Pompey, and you know that's not too bad. Then you go and win three one. You want a bad run of form. So, look, I said on your podcast, Portsmouth are always dangerous, especially Fratton Park. As much as we want to pretend that we're going to win every game this season, that's not going to happen. And Portsmouth away is a dangerous game, no matter how we look at it. So there must be some players that you think could potentially damage us this weekend. Which ones should we be watching? 
Yeah, absolutely. There are, we have got some good players. And as I said, on the day, if, if it actually starts clicking, we've got the potential in some ways, if everyone gets fit, I suppose, to cause some damage. You look at uh, the wing-backs we've got. Uh, Mullen Romeo came from Millwall. He's he's a championship player. He, he definitely is. He's very quick. And Pompey play that three at the back, and then they'll play the two wing-backs either side. If he gets the ball forward, he will take players on. He will beat them. If your left-back is remotely not as quick as him which is most players are not if he's a little bit sluggish he will skin him he can dribble past them he'll link up he'll cut inside he, he played loved the ball actually to Ronan Curtis it was from him the assist was from him actually uh, in the game against Charlton that we were talking about he's a very good player to watch then you look in the middle you've got Joe Morrell who's coming into the game more and more Burton had to keep chopping him down pulling him back standing in front of him so he couldn't take the ball quickly at free kicks he gets the ball moving Obviously, you think that as a player who's just played in the Euros and looked good for Wales. He is a very creative player. He's a very good player. He's quite small, but he's also quite tenacious. So he also tackles quite a lot in things that maybe other teams won't think. They think he's going to be a little flair player, but actually he's he's quite dogged as well, how he plays. Tony Cliffs look, look pretty decent as an eight, going sort of up and down, giving some defensive coverage. At the back, that's where, that's where the real problems are. I suppose we spoke about John Marcus, and that's really frustrating, but Sean Raggett's look good. If Connor Ogilvy comes back this weekend, which we're hoping he's been injured, obviously he could be bought in this season from Gillingham. He came good on player. a free there. He's he's a good player, and I think he'll he'll fit well in a back three where he plays on the left hand side. So he'll fit in on that left hand side, and I think that maybe gives Sean Raggett a partner because Raggett's been a machine. If I'm honest, at the back he's the only player he's running around, and he's been the best. Well, it's the best season he's had so far. I think you could say because I've not been a big fan of his throughout the years. He's always started very slowly given the board away, lots of mistakes. Not this season. He's been extremely solid and really, really led from the back there. So, yeah, are we dangerous? You've got Harness, who pops up with a goal again against Charlton. He's sort of playing a 10 role now. So he's playing behind uh, Marquis, behind Curtis. And you saw him get that goal from linking up with Marquis again against Charlton. We have got goals in us. We have got good players that, for this level. It's just, can we bring it all together? I suppose the prize package that maybe Sunderland fans who don't follow Pompey, why would you, all the time, um, is uh, Rico Hackett-Fairchild, who um, is a player that we didn't replay last season, but um, got him from Bromley originally. He's a skillful player, likes to dribble, take players on. He can play anywhere in the sort of front front three. And he scored the free kick against Burton yesterday from about 30-odd yards away. Everyone thought Ronan Curtis was going to take it. And Rico Hackett-Fairchild, the first touch of the game, comes on and just absolutely smashes it into the into the top bin. So he's a player that on his day could create some create some problems for you. But yeah, so the wing-backs, midfielders, but apart from that, you know, John Marcus can't start up front again, surely. But then who does start? So I just think I'm going round in a circle now, Graham, so I'll fire back to you, mate. <laughs> um Last season, obviously, we talked about the game when you came to the stadium at 1-3-1. On the flip side, our game at Fratton Park, we obviously won 2-0. Um, good night at the time. You know, uh, to be, I think it was about March time. I remember specifically it was on Sky, I think. Um, when we won at Fratton, we, we were looking, I wouldn't say nailed on, but we were looking pretty good for automatic promotion. We had the dreaded games in hand and... But we looked like a good side, you know, Charlie White was scoring goals and, and Jordan Jones was looking good, had a very good game that night. Um, and, and Pompey got in the win near us. And at the time you were there were thereabouts, one of our promotion rivals. We were, you know, kicking about the, the sim, similar sort of positions at that point. But 
not directly after that game, but a few games after that, obviously Sunderland kind of did a Sunderland and we did what we did in the Jack Ross. We did what we did in the Phil Parkinson and just didn't do what we should have done and, and win our games in hand and, and continue the run of form. But it does feel like the season's different for Sunderland. Um, I've just said the same on, on sort of your podcast and I don't think I'm saying something that other Sunderland fans don't feel. This season genuinely feels different for a multitude of reasons, but... It's always interesting to think what people outside of Sunderland think about the start that we've had to the season and our outlook, and especially when you're speaking to a Pompey fan. So what do you think so far of Sunderland this season, and do you think that it could be this season for us? Well, I was going to choke this out, Graham, but I think uh, you look like a bit of a dynamic force, really, this season. You know, you've got a really good mixture of youth and, and a bit of experience but, you know, splashed into the team. You look better going forward you don't look as one-dimensional. You're not relying on McGeady to be the, the outlet, you know, on the one side. So you've got players who can attack down the middle as well as both sides. So it makes you a lot harder outlet to, to, to stop, really. You can't just sit players on that, on that side and you get someone like Tom Naylor to help try and cover over that side on McGeady all the time and sit on him. I think that Sunderland, unfortunately for Portsmouth fans, look like you've got that right mix at the moment. And I've been just generally impressed. Even little signings like Cole Winchester, who I quite liked at Forest Green um, Rovers, but I didn't think he'd become you know a mainstay necessarily at right back in particular. I always saw him as a as a holding midfielder. Really, is what I've what I thought from the from the little bit I've watched of, of League Two with with him playing there. So all the things seem to be all the chips seem to be landing in the right place for Sunderland. I, I actually quite like Lee Johnson as a manager. I thought he did all right with Bristol City. Um, and I, I expect you to be up there in the top two this season. So, yeah, from, from an outside perspective, I think, yeah, Sunderland are really impressive. Um, there's not really any weak spots I've seen watching you play. When I've watched you on Quest or, or whatever, I've, I've thought you look like a total outfit. So unless you start choking and something changes or major injuries, um, no, Stuart looks good up front. And yeah, I can't, I can't see not doing well this season and I think it'll be a massive disappointment for Sunderland fans if you don't get a top two spot this season especially with a real poor start to the season teams like Ipswich have who who had huge investment this summer and people maybe thought would take that step of you know being a top two team well they're not and they might they've got to play catch up to use now at the top now so I think it's early in the year isn't it but at the same time keep pressing ahead and I think Sunderland will be there thereabouts we're probably in the top two and we probably won't be having this conversation next year if we don't get top two this season I'll put this on record I'll be raging mainly because all of my confidence is on a million and one podcast now as well but um with Carl Winchester anything is possible was going to be my new phrase I think um which plays you you've mentioned a few there and, and you know what it feels great to have a team where people not just when I'm asking this question, saying uh, Aidan McGeady, um, obviously McGeady is still someone to be concerned by, um, but which players in particular stick out for you in the context of where Pompey's main weaknesses are and where you think those players can, can damage you? I mean, if you look at your team, as I already mentioned going on, I'll just quickly bring it up at the moment. You've got, you've got Stuart, he's already scored seven goals this season, hasn't he? I mean, that's actually yeah. phenomenal for for a player as he's playing up, out up front in you know in that system. I've already mentioned Winchester. I've you've just been impressed with him generally. 
Um, who who might have impressed me generally? I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised that Flanagan's playing as well as he is, apparently. We are too, actually. We are too. <laughs> but yes. I thought that could be a weak spot, to be honest. I, I thought of when I saw him in the lineup in a Gemini, I thought, okay, you know, we could we can do some damage to him, but he's he's looked pretty good. And I can't remember how to pronounce your left back's name now, mate. Is it Kirkin? It was Gherkin when I signed him. I called him Gherkin, but I think it's Sirkin. I think it's Sirkin. He's looked really good as well, isn't he? He looks like a top quality yes. signing to me. So especially with him down one side and then you've got McGeady on that side as well. So he can provide that link up play that maybe he, you've been lacking because I think Sunderland have lacked decent fullbacks, especially now you don't have to play necessarily Luke nine in those positions where he's really <laughs> not really suited, is he? Let's be honest. Um, and you still will good, good players across the pitch, really. And Embleton in the middle, Gooch as well. He's a good player on his day. So... Yeah, I'm I'm shitting myself is an underestimation to say. And I think Portsmouth fans said the only way we're going to get three points at the weekend is if you can't get the fuel to fuel the bus and uh, can't drive down and have to forfeit the game. Uh, I think I saw another tweet saying the the green and uh, fair thing to do for the planet would be just to give you the three points and uh, not allow it, not mean you have to travel down in a different way, but so you don't have to fly because that's also bad for the environment. So Pompey fans have got absolutely no confidence in this game at all. Maybe that's the only thing we've got going for us. We've got absolutely no expectations of winning this game. I saw actually a response to, I think it was one of, I can't remember, it was on a Sunderland Post, Pompey fans saying, be gentle to us and, you know, try not to embarrass us too much. But, you know, do you know what? I do back Danny Cowley and do rate him. Maybe something clicks in training. And Sam was just saying at the end of our podcast that he's got one of those feelings that's pretty much based on absolutely no logic or or backing that maybe this is the game that we're supposed to be lose. It's all drawn up in the stars for a massive Sunderland win. And somehow the Pompey, Pompey edge out a result, which kickstarts our season and fires us back into the playoff hunt. But if we're, if we're being realistic here, rather than playing on emotions it just doesn't seem that likely but you never know in football do you that's the thing I was going to say you never know on on paper and form base and stuff like that as I said to you what half an hour ago I'm, I'm confident of I might as well say my prediction which I always get wrong I've, I think I've got one right this season three the whole of last season I'm taking something to, to go 3-1 um, hopefully it'll be without conceding and, and, and a 1-0 would do me to be fair but I'm fancying a 3-1 we look just really good going forward. But but my worry always is Portsmouth away is a tough game. Um, it's always been a tough game since we've been down here. We've never gone and necessarily had an easy game outside of maybe last season. Um, and even that wasn't a complete walk-off. It was only two. Um, and it was the second one was based on a mistake from, from Sean Raggett. So I think it's going to be a tough game regardless of, of form and stuff like that. But I think if we do at least pick up a point this this Saturday, I'm going to be feeling even more confident moving forward. I'm going to back us for a win for once. I'm going to say 3-1, but, but Hugh, of course, I'll let you have the final word. Where are you going for score this week? Yeah, I've just said this as well to the lads. I'm also going for a 3-1 Sunderland win. I think um, we just look so leaky at the back and you, you look so good going forward, especially I know Cheltenham aren't necessarily a force in this league, but a team that scored five in the last game and we've conceded two in the last three games against teams that you could think aren't the same quality as you lot. So I'm going to say we can see three goals. I reckon Sunderland will go one up. Ronan Curtis will pull one back uh, only for us to lose three, one potentially my little hot tip is that we, I think we might get a player sent off in this game. Um, 
our disciplines looked really bad actually at the end of the game. So when things aren't going well for us and when we look frustrated, we seem to be get players seem to be getting booked for dissent and just silly, silly discipline all over the pitch. And I could see the likes of Ronan Curtis scoring a goal and then getting potentially a bit a bit edged up about how it was going and Sunderland fans rubbing it in. I could see this potentially being Pompey ending the game with 10 men uh, and a 3-1 uh, loss at home to Sunderland. I was going to say, Sunderland and Portsmouth is normally such a quiet game without incident, isn't it, to be fair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're a lovely bunch of fans, you know. We never caused, we never caused a problem anywhere we went, you know. Um, yeah. So... You know, it's a quiet game. I'm sure you'll be throwing some smoke grenades at us or something, won't you? The Sunderland fans or <laughs> hope not. I hope not. Um, and I hope no one attacks any players over the, the hoardings from our side either. Let's hope let's hope for a quiet, nice one 0 win for Sunderland. And I think we'll all be happy. Yeah, I can't see the fans being um anyway like that anyway, especially in a game that I don't think anyone expects us to win. It even if there were some idiots at the ground, I can't see them being motivated even to to bring that out on the Sunderland players. I think they'd just be quite fed up with things going forward. But I think for Pompey, we've got a good manager. I back him. We've got some good players. Can he coach this threadbare squad to a win is the question. Probably not. But if he does, if we do get a result, it will probably be on the good work of Danny and Nicky Cowley. Before I let you go, Hugh, I always forget to do this. I remember occasionally. Um, I remember before I ask this, subscribe if you want. Um, I've started to remember that. But Hugh, where can we find your stuff? Obviously, I do retweet it occasionally now and again on, on the page. So I think it will not be completely unfamiliar with it. But for the people who've heard you for the first time, want to find out a bit more, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, cool. So you can check out all our stuff um, on Twitter at Pompey News now. We do a website, a blog, etc. for that. And the podcast we do is the PO4 cast. So you can find that at PO4 cast, C-A-S-T, um, PO4 being the postcode where Fratton Park is, hence the link. Yeah, check us out in all places you can get your podcast, just like you. Perfect. Hugh, always good to have you on. I think it's about your fifth or sixth show. I couldn't quite remember, but um, always a pleasure to have you on. And it's a... Uh... I always have fun chatting to you at the end of the day. That's why you're always welcome back. No, thanks, mate. Same back to you. And let's hope that I'm not right for the weekend for me. Yeah, let's hope you are. (laughs) Cheers, Graham. (laughs) 